Town Square Media of Southeast Wyoming podcast. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Uh, Nick Dodgson is traveling around the country via motorcycle here in a few minutes. He's uh, We're expecting him to call in. I believe he's on the East Coast right now. He's going to talk to us about where he's at, what he's seeing, how the trip is going, what his impressions maybe are of people around the country and all that sort of thing. And uh, he'll be calling us here uh, momentarily. Uh, uh, to talk about that. Coming up at 11.33, we'll talk about community action of Laramie County, about Elder Abuse Day. That's coming up on Tuesday. We'll also talk to them a little bit about what community action of Laramie County does, some general things on elder abuse and all that sort of thing. In the meantime, we've got a few minutes here uh, with basically just open phones. If you have anything on your mind, 632-6500, 632-3323. We do expect Nick Dodgson to be calling in uh, probably at about 11.15. In the meantime, if you have anything on your mind, pick up your phone, give me a call. Checking some of the articles on our website at kgab.com. Yesterday, a couple of uh, ballot proposals pertaining to marijuana laws were, tuner, were turned into the Secretary of State's office. Uh, supporters, including some members of the Libertarian Party and some other folks, hoping to get them on the ballot for the 2022 election. Now, I need to qualify. That's no slam dunk. Wyoming, probably the most difficult state in the country uh, to get a ballot initiative uh, before the voters. I think that was uh, by design, probably because the, uh, the founders of this state didn't necessarily uh, want uh, 25 ballot initiatives every election like you see. Well, you don't see 25 in California, but you see a ton of them out there, for example. Uh, they intentionally made it very difficult. It's not easy. You've got to get not only 15% of the voters around the state, which is, and we're talking registered voters here, not just people who are eligible to vote. We're talking registered voters. You also have to get a number equal to two-thirds of those residents in at least two-thirds of the counties. So, for example, you couldn't pile up uh, huge uh, numbers of signatures in Laramie and Natrona County and just call it good because you overwhelmed everybody else. Uh, it, it's it's not easy, and a lot of a lot of, of initiatives have failed to make it on the ballot. I would say, and I'm going from memory here. I haven't done an actual um, uh, survey of this, but I, I would say in my time doing news in Wyoming, which I've been here for 25 years, I think probably. A clear majority don't ever make it to the ballot, probably a sizable majority. Now, then if it does get on the ballot, it's, it's still no slam dunk. Again, the, the founders of our state didn't want people, I think, passing a bunch of initiatives that would mess everything up. And then four years later, they'd have to go back and change it. They made it difficult. And, and the way that works, if it does get on the ballot, is that a majority of the people voting in the election have to vote yes. Now, notice the phrasing on that. It's a majority of the people voting in the election. Um, that doesn't mean a majority of the people voting on the ballot question. Some people will pass it up because they're not informed about it. They have no strong opinion. Uh, they don't understand the question, whatever. Those count as no votes under Wyoming's initiative process. So it, it is difficult. It, it can happen um, in at least one case that I'm aware of, and this has probably happened with others. Um, even an initiative that got a big majority was thrown out by the Supreme Court. That happened in, I think, I think it was 1992 on term limits. 
Um, and I'm going from memory here. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it had something to do, I believe, uh, with the way the initiative was written. It got huge approval from the voters, 76% majority. The Supreme Court had a technical issue with it, and and they threw it out. Um, and they said, no, you can't do that. So we still don't have term limits. Um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe at some point somebody will bring that forward again. The, the court, as I understood it, and I'm not a lawyer, I don't play a lawyer on the radio, so let's be clear about that, but as I understood it, uh, the court didn't so much say you couldn't have term limits per se. They said the way the there was a problem with the wording of the initiative. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go any further down that road because I'm not technically adept enough to really explain what the issue was. Um, I am fairly confident in saying they didn't say you couldn't have term limits. They were saying you couldn't have that term limits proposal because there were problems with the way it was worded. So where I'm going with all of this, it's extremely difficult to get ballot initiatives approved. So this is by no means something that's going to be law. But there is a poll on our website at KGAB.com if you want to take the poll. And somebody said this morning, why do you keep asking this? Well, we haven't actually asked this one before because this pertains to the ballot proposal. Uh, The ballot proposal would do two things. Actually, it's two ballot proposals, I guess. Um, It would decriminalize uh, possession for personal use of marijuana. Decriminalization is not legalization. We need to be clear about that. It would still be illegal. However, you wouldn't do jail time over it uh, for amounts for personal possession. In all probability, you'd be looking at uh, fines probably comparable uh, to speeding tickets and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. What's that go up to? $125, something like that, $250. Um, and, and that would have to be hashed out as far as the amounts. I don't know that that's actually been uh, spelled out, but it would be it would be fines, not jail time. Now, if you were trafficking large amounts across the state, if you're going down I-80 and you've got 100 pounds of pot, nothing would change. You're still in trouble. Uh, this, as I understand it, at least, would not affect that. It would decriminalize, not legalize. It would decriminalize for personal use. Um the other thing it would do, it would it would legalize medical marijuana. So if you had a, a doctor's prescription for pot, um, you wouldn't go to jail. Wouldn't even be fined for that. You'd be you'd be covered, as I understand it. Um, we do have a certain number of people in Wyoming who are visiting every year who get busted for possession of marijuana, and they say, "Well, I've got a medical marijuana card." Well. Under current Wyoming law, that doesn't matter. You you, uh, you can't have it here because it's not legal. I mean, you can go back to wherever you're from and use your medical marijuana card. You're you're fine. Um, that does not apply to Wyoming law. So the the proposal would put two things on the ballot. Actually, I believe it's two separate ballot initiatives. One would decriminalize pot. Uh, the other one would legalize medical marijuana in Wyoming. If you have an opinion on this, pro con or whatever. Uh, we put the first question up today on decriminalizing uh, marijuana. 31% last time I checked said they'd vote no. 25% said they'd vote yes. 39% said, yeah, they'd vote for it, but what they really want to see is legalization, and 5% said they weren't sure yet. So if you have an opinion on that, that's on our website. Again, that's a long ways from being a reality, but it is uh, it is something that bypasses the legislature. Um I think there's a lot of feeling probably that a lot of the legislative leadership is maybe not amenable to these kind of things. So the supporters said, well, uh, we'll just go go directly to the voters if they can get it on the ballot. Who knows? It's not easy to do. 
In any case, you're in tune with Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AM 650 KGAB. Expecting a call here from Nick Donchin just momentarily. He's uh, traveling around the country via motorcycle, and by golly, I believe that's probably Nick on the phone now. Good morning. Is this Nick? It is. How are you, sir? Good. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. So where are you right now? I am in Ocean City, Maryland. Ah, that, that's a resort um, town. Actually, I'm an Orioles fan. I always see the uh, commercials for Ocean City on the Orioles game. Looks like a fun place. It is a fun place. It's out on the eastern shore. Um, the sun is finally coming out of two solid days of rain, um, which, of course, I got to ride through a chunk of that getting here. Uh, but, it's yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's really pretty. Humid as heck. Yeah. You kind of expect that when you're in Maryland this time of year. Coming from Wyoming, we're not used to that. I know about that. I've got relatives in Arkansas, and I'll go down there in September, and it's like being trapped in a sauna. Exactly. I was laughing. My, my good friend Leslie, who I'm staying with, she was emptying out water out of a machine today, and I went, ah, that's right, you dehumidify. Usually I'm filling one of those up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, tell us about your trip. Are you by yourself, friends, family with yeah, you? just me. Just me and the bike. Um, left. Uh, Wednesday morning about 4 a.m., headed out on I-80, uh, got to Lincoln, and I, I hate interstates. It's one of my great hatreds of interstates, because so you don't see America. You're, you're right. You bypass um, everything. Yeah. So at Lincoln, I um, looked and seen there's a road, um, which is 34, going out of Lincoln, and that takes you all the west of the way... Um, through Nebraska, uh, across the river, all the way through Iowa, and all the way through Illinois. Okay. Um, so I followed that for, like, I don't know, about 600 miles. I did a 1,000 miles that night, uh, that day, got into Champaign, Illinois that night. I've got to tell you, uh, dr driving across Nebraska is not my favorite experience. I'm probably going to tee off some Nebraskans here, but I, I, I swear, <laughs> they don't even change the cows. It all looks the same as you go down the road. It does, but you know what? This time of year, Doug, it was, it was pretty. Was it really? Yeah, because it's all green. Oh, yeah. It's been wet, too. It's been wet. It's green. Um, when you get into eastern Nebraska, that... Once you hit 34 and you go west of Lincoln, it is just beautiful right now. And hmm. all the farms all through that west part of Nebraska and all through Iowa, they're, they're just beautiful. They're, they're so organized, Very a lot of German styling, particularly once you get into uh, Iowa. Um, that farm country was, was just beautiful. I've got to tell you a story about my family. My grandfather grew up near um, in Hershey, Nebraska, near... Lincoln, and this is a hundred. Uh -huh. This is a hundred years ago. You could still homestead land in South Dakota. So he got on his tractor. He rode his tractor from Hershey to South Dakota, slept in the fields at night, and homesteaded his own land. I always thought that was a remarkable story. That is an incredible story, and it's what this country was built on. It's Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, um, and you can see that. And when you're going across those highways, and if you ever get a chance, 34 is just a really cool highway to ride, drive, whatever. Um, you can see the old homesteads. You can see where people started with nothing and told, told and worked the land and, and made a living for their family. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of history there. I tell you, the, the thing I think that's sad is 
obviously COVID particularly has hit a lot of these little communities. There's a lot of closed stores. There's a lot of closed restaurants. Places just didn't make it. No, that uh, is sad. That's a legacy of the last 15 months, which I'm afraid is going to be with us for a long time. Nick, are you finding things opening up again in your trip across the country, or are a lot of things yeah, still... Yeah, you know, the more rural places are very much like Wyoming. They're over COVID. Okay. They're done. Um, like out out here in Ocean City, I mean, I went to a, a restaurant last night. Lizzie and I went to one. Um, and not even the way... Nobody wore masks. Right. Even the way... Um, where when I was going through, uh, um, coming down through Western Maryland into both, yeah, it was West Virginia and um, Western Maryland were were the same way, very very rural, not worried about it. But you get into any of the major city areas, um, they're all masked up. They require masks in stores. I mean, I didn't. I walked into a couple of stores. And I just left my helmet on. I figured that's a mask, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> Did it work for them, though? <laughs> I got a couple of weird looks, but I'm used to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, yeah, coming out of Illinois and into Ohio, Ohio's definitely more mask-oriented, more freaked out, it seems. Really? Um, of course, they're also freaked out by all the cicadas. By the way, riding a motorcycle... Upper highway with cicadas out is a very interesting experience. They make really loud noises when they hit. Uh, I'm going to ask what may be a stupid question here, but I, I honestly mean this. Do you get hit with enough of them so it's a visibility issue? Um, I had a screen on the bike, which actually put most of them over my helmet. But yeah, it could have been. And the ratchy trucks who were pulling over with windshields that were just spattered with them. Oh, my Lord. Um, there was a there, it was there was a lot of bugs and for about about sixty miles, and then I then I got into a whole bunch of rain in in West Virginia and in Western Maryland and I, at least that washed the cicada uh, you know guts off me that helped. Well, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't smell a dead cicada. That was <laughs> That's always a good thing. <laughs> So, Nick, are, are you, uh, what are you doing? Are you staying in hotels at night or what? Uh, so, I stayed in the hotel a couple of nights, um, staying with my good friend Leslie. Um, our families go back several generations. In fact, her mom was the lady who put me up when I first moved from England to America. Oh, really? Um, and so, uh, Leslie and I have known each other for, for many, many years and we're uh, close friends. But us have a have a really good time together so i'm staying with leslie and we're gonna go up and see her mom andy tomorrow and spend some bit of time with her she's now in her late 80s but uh, still indomitable and i'm really i'm really looking forward to seeing it because without andy and the late husband howard i wouldn't have had the start i got in america so i always try to remember you know just how important they were to me nick how did you happen to come to america i've never asked you that um so i was born here I was okay. born in D.C. My dad was a British Army officer who was on loan to the Americans back in the 60s. Oh, okay. Because he was on loan to the American government, I was born in America. So you're an American citizen, born that I'm way. I'm an American citizen. Right. Was, yeah. And so after my um, first attempt at self-employment was something that, well, let's say it wasn't great success, uh, I went home between with my tail between my legs, and Dad said, what next? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, you've been talking about going to America. Don't do it now. You never will. Do it while you're and young. 
he let he let me. I was 24 years old, and he, mom and dad bought me a plane ticket and gave me a thousand bucks and a suitcase and said, "See what you can make of it." So where did you go to? Okay. Where, where did you go to? D.C. or Maryland? Maryland. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Maryland, Baltimore, Annapolis, actually. And that was when I decided I never wanted to work on another car or motorcycle in my life. I was done with it. Never going to do that again. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something went wrong there. But anyway, I came out. The reason I came to Cheyenne was to go to Cheyenne Aerotech to get my airframe and power plant license to work on aircraft. And I got that, but I met a young lady by the name of Brooke, and, well, well the rest is history, right? So how long have you been here in Cheyenne, Nick? Quite, a, quite. A, I've been in Cheyenne. It'll be 29 years in September. Wow, quite an interesting life story. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky. There's no no doubt in my mind whether you're religious, not religious. There's a higher power. There's no way that the things I've had happen didn't have some some other involvement. Somebody was looking out for you. Somebody was looking out for me, and it's been it's been a heck of a ride. I'm very, just very blessed, very grateful. So, and honestly, Doug, Doug, and I've said this to you off air, the community of Cheyenne is so so special. I agree a hundred percent. In fact, I, I think this whole state's that way. Had in the world. I think this whole state's that way to some extent. But Cheyenne's a cool place. I, I would agree. Yes. Wyoming in general, and Cheyenne in particular. How's that? I know there have been a couple times when being an idiot, and it was my own fault, I got myself stuck in a snow drift um, and stuff like that. And people come along, and they'll pull you out. You don't have to worry. I mean, you keep your wits about you, but you don't, you don't worry about it like you would in a big city. Wouldn't take a dime. Wouldn't take a dime for it. No, I mean, we, you know, we, we see this anytime we, we do. You know, bad weather. Neighbors help neighbors. People driving by help others. If if there's an announcement of a business struggling or like with COVID, the restaurants, everybody made an effort to go out and get takeout. Cruise nights, um, supporting the charities. It's it just, you go on and on and on. Every time you turn and there might be something that's and that could be considered a negative, Cheyenne turns it into a positive. Speaking of cruise nights, you're not here, but that's still happening tonight, right or not right? It is indeed, yeah. Um, it, uh, it is uh, Grace for Two Brothers. Oh, very cool nice. organization. Yes. Uh, fabulous organization. And they are all going to be set up on the corner of 25th and Central. Um, so, yeah, everybody, please get out there and support this great organization that uh, does incredibly important work. It's a suicide and prevention group. Grace for Two Brothers right. is. One of the joys of Cruise Nights is they set up. And you've got time, you go and look at the cool cars, you chat to old friends or new friends. Mm -hmm. You go and talk to these charities and you learn so much about them. You may have heard about them. You may have heard the name of this charity, but you don't know what they do. Get out there tonight and see what these folks do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we should have nice weather tonight. I mean, it's it's... I don't know if you've checked our forecast back here at yeah, home. Yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, we, we may see the 90s next week, uh, but the good news is no rain tonight. So, perfect. Well, it's been it's been a little rough with the rain the last uh, well the first few weeks of cruise nights. But you know what? Everyone still shows up. Everyone still, even if they don't stay with their cool cars, they bring another car out and they make sure they drop some money in the bucket for those charities. Wonderful, wonderful idea. And it really took off uh, kind of on its own during the COVID shutdown. Tell us about that. 
yeah, I mean, it was an idea between a couple of us on Facebook. I ran on it with it on CalGap, and well, the rest is history. So, Nick, what's the next leg of your trip? You're going up to see Leslie's mother, you said, and she's in yeah, a race? Yeah, we're going to see Leslie's mother tomorrow, and then we'll come back down to Ocean City tomorrow night. Uh, then Monday, I am headed up through Delaware, up through Pennsylvania, towards Fort Wayne, Indiana. Then I'm going to ride up through Michigan, because I've always wanted to ride across the UP. Uh-huh. I hear it's beautiful. Uh, I've then, never been there. Right. I haven't either, so I'm going to go across the UP... And then when I get to Minnesota, um, one of my favorite books growing up was Robert Persig's Then in the Art of Motorcycle. Oh, I've, I read that a long time ago. Yes. Okay, so his route across to California was Minnesota, North Dakota, Mon- um, Montana. So I want to follow that route and just kind of relive my inner, inner Robert Persig for a while. So, Nick, it sounds like this is just something you've wanted to do for a long time. You finally decided let's do it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I love long-distance riding. I, was, I, 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 I love motorcycling. I love when I could compete. I'm too old and not fast enough um, to go and compete at any level now. But the long-distance stuff, it's, it, it's just good solitude. You know, the phone doesn't work. I don't care about the phone. I, I can just be me myself on the bike and I'm very fortunate in the fact that I've got an incredibly supportive family Brooke is um, yeah go 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 have a few days and I can come out and see this family out here which is so important and just see part of the pieces of this great country I mean every time I go around another corner I, you meet somebody new or you're at a gas station you chat to somebody and it just reminds me how damn lucky we are we really are Nick, I see my phone is ringing, and I'm not sure if this is my 1133 guest or somebody calling for you. I don't have a producer. It's just me in here, so let's find out. Oh, I know. <laughs> Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, hello. My name is uh, Mary Goodwin. Yeah, you're calling for the 1133 uh, segment. Yeah. Okay, Mary. Um, we well, can hang on the line here or call back in a couple minutes, whatever works for you. Um, right now I'm talking with Nick Dodson about his uh, his trip around the country. He's in Maryland right now. Uh, Nick, are you, are you taking photographs, or did you want to get completely away from all the electronics? You know, I've taken some pictures. I'm going to – obviously coming over here, I was uh, – Moving along fairly well, so I wanted to get here. But yeah, on the way back, I'm going to be posting a whole bunch on, uh, probably on Facebook, and take a bunch of pictures. And I'll, I'll share some onto the Car Gap page. And Doug, if you want to grab them and share them on KGAB, absolutely. Uh, free. So, yeah, send them to me. We'd be happy to post those. All right, sounds great. Nick, are, are you learning anything? Any surprises? Anything you didn't expect in this trip? Um, yeah, I'm I'm older than I used to be, and I can help a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of that every morning when I get out of bed, unfortunately. But <laughs> You know, I think I've, it's reinforced just the good of people. Um, you, you, you hear so much negative, particularly, particularly with social media and right. all the crap that's been going on. And just getting out in this country and just stopping for gas. Or, like I pulled up to a gas pump and a big diesel truck pulled up behind me and I realized... I was a gas pump, the only gas pump that had gas and diesel. Uh-huh. And so I just jumped back on the bike and turned around and moved to the other side of the pump so he could pump with diesel. And he's going, oh, that was 
go away. It's like, hey, I drive a diesel. I understand how that goes. And we just ended up sitting and chatting for 10 minutes. And it was just the basic goodness of the people in this country. And we've forgotten that. We need to... I'm glad I'm reminding myself of it. And sadly, and, and I'm a guy who spends probably more time than I should on social media. I'll cop to that. But I think one of the negatives is that it's so confrontational and people yeah. can be anonymous and maybe not show the best side of their personalities. And I think a, a lot of a, a lot of hostility gets generated that really, frankly, doesn't need. And I'm probably guilty of that on occasion myself. It, it's easy to be rude to people you don't know. Yeah, and you know, we cannot we just because we have different viewpoints politically or whatever, it doesn't mean we can't get on. Absolutely. And quite honestly, thank thank goodness we do have different viewpoints because otherwise we would we'll be incredibly boring. It would be a dull place. Nick um, and I think we've got to remember that. Anyway, I'll leave you with that thought. That's probably the number one thought I've had on as I've come across. Well have a safe trip and stay in touch. I will do. Great talking to you, Doug. Talk to you later, Nick. AM 650 KGAB, that's Nick Dodson. Of course, he's traveling around the country. Uh, normally the host, well, he's still the host of uh, Car Gab. Uh, he had a pre-recorded segment this morning so he could take a little time off. Interesting to see his impressions about about the country and uh, what he's learning. And, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Just take off and just travel. Um, it, it, it's hard to find time as you get older and you have commitments. And, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's not entirely cheap and all that sort of thing. I'd like to do that sometime, however. In any case, AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program back with Community Emmy County on the other side of the bottom of the hour. News and information break just ahead. You're in tune with Weekend in Wyoming. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Mary Goodwin with Community Action of Laramie County. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for calling in. We do appreciate it. Now, first of all, for those who don't know, what is Community Action of Laramie County? Community Action of Laramie County has actually been in the community for a very long time. It's made up of a number of uh, programs. Uh, one of them is self-sufficiency, which helps the homeless and those living below the federal guidelines uh, to f for housing. Uh, currently, which is really important right now, is they have funding for COVID relief. Mm -hmm. So if that has impacted your life in any way, you need to call Community Action. But there's other things we do, too. Uh, we have Crossroads Clinic, which, again, is available for the homeless and that community. Uh, they're over at the uh, health department. We do the farmer's market every summer. That is through community action. And uh, there's home, uh, uh, we also do housing for, for veterans. And then what's dear and close to my heart is kinship community support services, which is what I do. And I do a program called Older Older Relative Caregood Program, which most people remember as grandparents raising grandchildren, which is for adults 55 and older that is, are raising minors or uh, older children or adults with disabilities. 
And we may revisit some of these here in a few minutes. But right now, we did want to talk about an event you you have coming up on Tuesday. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, Tuesday, which is June 15th, World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. And we are going to be out in the parking lot at uh, the American Legion Post 6 on Lincoln Way. Uh, we're going to have a booth out there. We're going to be giving out popcorn, and we're looking for donations. And we're not going to be by ourselves. Uh, Mills and Wills is going to be out there. Wyoming Senior Citizens is going to be out there. Um, Wyoming Independence Living is going to be out there. The Laramie County Senior Center is a, will also be out there. These are all organizations that work with and for seniors. And every penny that we uh, receive will go towards elder abuse. And some of that will go to the state health services here locally. So I do hope people come out and come see us. And if you can't come by, we're more than able to accept the check if you'd like to mail it to us. And you can send a check to Community Action. It's P.O. Box 106, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Mary, we, we've, you know, I think most of us, unfortunately, are familiar with child abuse, and it's a sad situation, but we don't hear as much about elder abuse. What's, what, how does this happen? What's a typical scenario? Well, you know, what's interesting, especially right now, is there's an awful lot of elder abuse that's actually in the news right now. The strange thing is there's no conversation going on. When you look at the news and you see an, an elderly Asian woman that's been in a video that's been knocked to the ground and kicked and beaten, mm-hmm. or a, a, um, a military veteran that's been beaten up for pennies, or you hear a story about somebody that's lost their life savings because of a family member or a caregiver, these are all, that's all elder abuse. And what's interesting about it, this is not something that we need a vaccine for or a magic pill. This is something that should just not be happening. Absolutely. And what it is. And it's not something just in our community or in this country. It's a, it's a worldwide event. That's why June 15th is called World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. It's not just happening here. It's, it's everywhere. And there's no rhyme, reason, or excuse for it to be taking place. And yet, unfortunately, it is very, very common and happens everywhere and in all kinds of scenarios. Mary, one scenario I'm unfortunately familiar with through doing local news in Wyoming for many years, and you see this more often than than you might think, uh, and, and you touched on this, you have situations where somebody is maybe suffering from dementia or they have health issues of some kind, they have a caregiver. Um, now, many, many, most of these caregivers are good people, but unfortunately you get scenarios where some of these people are draining people's bank accounts. They're signing checks over to themselves. Um, it, it, it's an ugly situation, and it happens, sadly, right here in Wyoming more often than you might think. I've covered a number of these over the years, and, and who knows how many have happened where, where people don't get caught. It's a sad situation. It is a sad situation, and it is extremely common. And I, I in what I do, I not only get those calls, but... I knew the other half of it. My husband had 
Alzheimer's and dementia. And I can tell you, one of the biggest fears, especially early on, is someone's going to call and they're going to ask him for something and he's going to say yes or he's going to sign a piece of paper. And I'm not going to know about it because he's not going to remember it and then let the phone hangs up. Um, so how do we have, how do we have we? these other situations where when you're talking about a physical abuse, and I'm familiar with that one too, and they can't describe what happened because they don't remember. Oh, sad. How, how can we protect our older relatives in these situations? Well, first of all, don't assume. Don't assume it's going to get taken care of. Sometimes you can't assume that the people that you hired are going to do it. You have to really be aware. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes for these facilities. That goes for the police. That goes throughout the, the community. Um, let me give you an, an example. Ages ago, I'm, I'm from California. Okay. And in California, they have what they call Tuvi Fog. These are fogs, thick, cold fogs that hug the ground. Right. And I moved out in the country, and I'm going down a country road, and I'm in one of these fogs, and there in the middle of the road is a, an elderly man and I'd never seen this before, but his face was absolutely emotionless and like a zombie. Mm-hmm. And he was shuffling along and went by the car. Like I said, this is very new to me. And I thought, well, somebody's looking for him and they'll come get him. And I went and ran my errand and I came back and there he was still in the middle of the road in the fog. So I'm going, okay, this isn't right. So... This is in California. So I called the police and described what has happened, that it. somebody needs to come get this poor man. And the first thing is said is, well, is he on drugs? And my answer was, I don't know if he's on drugs, but he's somebody's grandfather and he's going to get hit. Right. Now, I didn't know, this was very new, and I didn't know what I was seeing. Spring forward to now. I know that look all too well because you see that in nursing homes. I certainly saw it on the face of my husband. And then when my husband went past me and I had the police here, and believe me, when they show up with the dog and, and ask for a piece of his clothing to smell, it's a, it's a reality moment. And they find him after he's crossed the major street, wandering around a parking lot of an Exxon station doing the same thing in the same state that Batman was in all those years ago. But unlike what happened in Colorado, where two policemen, uh, I believe, resigned after basically throwing a woman with dementia to the ground and putting her in cups, they asked me, well, what do you want to do when we find him? I didn't say throw him to the ground and put him in cuffs. I said, stay his name which when they found him, they did. He went right over to him. Did he know where he was? No. Did he know where he was going? No. Did he have any money? Did he have, did he know the address where he lived at? Yeah, he hadn't known his address for years. But that's, that's what that is, is like. He was lucky. Um, but you have to, you can't assume that everybody is going to know what to do or what to say. You really have to be 
vigilant. And you can be in, in little ways. I mean, I work the cash register. So when I had an older man just hand me a, a wad of cash. You know, I did his purchase, but I handed him back the right amount of money. Right. Uh, it's not, if you see someone in a grocery store, you, it's hard enough to do self-checking, but try it with an oxygen and with a walker. Right. You know, help them out. But also, and I will speak for, I believe, in Cheyenne, we have a good police department. We have a community active mayor. But that doesn't put them off the hook. We have to be vigilant, and we have to let them know that our eyes are on them, and we expect the administrators, and that goes for them, that goes for the police, that goes for the people that run these uh, our, uh, assisted living facilities to do, do the job. And uh, that's not always the case. You can't assume. Mary, what what is the correct course of action for somebody who's in your situation? You're out driving around, you see somebody, uh, they appear to be out of place, maybe in a bit of a day. Should you call the police? Should you stop and talk to them? What should you do? I would call the police. Okay. I would call the police, and I would explain what's going on and what you see and what you think is happening. And I would say nine out of ten times, you would have a better experience than what I had all those years ago. Well, that's, um, that's good to know. And talking with the police, and especially the police here, like I said, I, I got them on several on name the name basis. They're fully aware, and they spend more time than you can imagine looking for individuals just like my husband and others that have wandered off. And it's amazing how far somebody shuffling with a cane can get. I can tell you that. Well, and I, I, I can tell you, too, again, from doing local news, we get these reports from the, the Cheyenne Police Department every so often. Uh, somebody's wandered off. Fortunately, more often than not, they have a happy ending. That's not always the case, but it, it does happen right here in Cheyenne. It does, and it, it happens uh, fairly frequency, frequently. And I've actually been uh, in a facility, uh, a local uh, living facility, when someone was trying to break out. And the police were called in, usually ends up the, um, an ambulance too, because there's a lot more involved. It's a, it's a scary and it's a difficult situation. And like the woman, in, my husband did the same thing the woman in Colorado was doing. He was, she was insisting she had to get home. Mm-hmm. And my husband was insisting she had to get home. But what you don't understand is his home was where he grew up, which happened to be South Chicago. And he was expecting to see his parents, which had both passed over 40 years ago. They were in a different time frame. And so it has to be handled differently. And that's why it's so important for the police. And I will say the times I've had to do with, uh, they call it ambulance. They have been amazing and how he's been treated both at the local veterans hospital and at CRMC because they see these people. Okay, I'm speaking with Mary Goodwin from Community Action of Laramie County. We're talking about Elder Abuse Day, which is Tuesday, a little bit on the general subject of elder abuse. Mary, has the COVID situation made elder abuse worse? Has it had any impact? Absolutely. I work, as I, as I mentioned, with the older relative caregiver program. So these are people that are on their game, but they're also the most isolated. Mm-hmm. And so they're not used to homeschooling. Some of them don't have internet. 
these are also, and I've had this conversation more than once, if I die, who's going to take care of the children? Mm-hmm. They've got the child because of what's going on in the family for a variety of reasons. It's a whole other level of stress and very scary. And there's not always an answer to that one. So it is extremely difficult year that's been going on. Uh, I run a monthly, or supposed to run a monthly support group. I'm having my first one in August. It's been exactly a year because this group is so vulnerable. Mary, in terms of the event itself Tuesday, what is it you'd like people to take away from this event? That this is not a one-day event. That this is something that goes on every day, everywhere. It's not specific to Cheyenne or Wyoming or California. That it's something that you should always be aware of. Uh, And if you see something, speak out. If you need to question it, do that. And I'd like to say the, the people that I consider the most experienced and the ones that are in the know are the families because they're so con- they're watching out for the grandparents or the uncle or if you see an elderly couple that are or, that are struggling or you know trying have one of them trying to drive because the other one can't see it's just be aware of this of their surroundings and don't assume that they're cared for. Don't assume that the right things are going to happen. Ask. Pick up the phone and call the police. There are several, and I'll give you a name of some, excellent sources, resources. AARP, for one, has a number of good sources and courses you can take. Um, Blue Federal Credit Union gives a course on elder fraud, as well as numerous other things. If you're afraid that somebody was being uh, scammed. Call Wyoming Guardianship Corporation. That is what they do. There are good organizations out there that this is what they specialize in, and they will go to bat, and and they're out there. So there are sources. Call me. I get these calls all the time. I may not have the answer for you, but I know who you can talk to. Well, and you mentioned scams. I've had AARP of Wyoming on a couple of times talking about scams, and and scams, of course, aren't solely targeted at senior citizens, but some of these scam artists do go after senior citizens in hopes that uh, maybe they do get somebody who's who's maybe net mentally um, not not on top of their game due to dementia or, or medical issues, and it's something that we really need to be aware of. Some, some of these scammers are, um, some of them are... Let me tell you, they're good. I think I got scammed not too long ago. You get this flyer and you need to read renew this and this is what you need to do and I'm thinking oh my gosh um, I'm letting this slide and this was about something some type of repair and I sent the check and then it wasn't too long ago I read how they're not connected locally and it has nothing to do with that and I went on the website and there was no information and I'm going Yep, they got me. Yep, it, it, uh, it happens. It happens. I myself got a scam call. Well, I got a series of them, actually, and I've talked about this on the air before. Um, 
first of all, I happen to know for a fact, I, I know two things. I know I don't owe back taxes, and I also know from my job and doing interviews on this, that, on this that the IRS does not just call you up and demand money. However, having said that, I got a series of calls from somebody who, who was very, very good, very personable. Oh, we know you owe us money, and we're here to work with you. Had I not known what I know, I might have fallen for this person. I mean, they were good at it. Um, and oh, yeah. I, I They're really good. And I've actually had those calls. I've had two versions. There's the friendly guy, like you kind of described, and then right. I've had the angry guy that was literally screaming that scaring you to death until I realized that I did have the power to hang up. Right. <laughs> well, and I didn't have to sit there and take it and be uh, trembling in my shoes. But sometimes it takes a little bit for that reality to kick in. Well, um, there's there's yeah. one other thing here too. The, the words IRS yeah. put the fear of God into people. Oh, absolutely! I had a, a, a personal friend that was frustrated with her mother because every time she received an inquiry about getting a subscription, she was getting all these magazines and sending out for it. Was she looking at them or reading? She was spending a small fortune because she thought that's what she needed to do. Right. And it was like, oh my goodness. Now, something now, something else, and I don't, I don't know if this, is strictly speaking, comes under the umbrella of elder abuse, but it's certainly a stress on many elderly folks, and that is, uh, you know, the, the, the wife or husband who's caring for a, a spouse with dementia. They're under a lot of stress sometimes, too. Yeah, yeah, I can speak to that one, and let me tell you what goes on with the families. It's, it's rugged, because... Uh, and I'll speak to dementia and Alzheimer's, all you want is for something to settle out because uh, the next phase is worse. Right. And uh, there's nothing like knowing that you're all in, you're fighting it every step of the way, but at the end of the day, you're going to lose. Right. Uh, but you are dealing with, and I can just look for myself, you're in this uh, um, elder law attorney insurance companies, a sea of doctors, nurses, facilities, and I'll tell you about facilities, everyone from the push, person pushing the broom to the person that runs it, they're all going to tell you they're an expert, they're all going to tell you what to do. Um, the thing that kind of did it for me is when I was pushing my husband in a wheelchair and I had some nice girl, not her fault, walk up to me and ask, you know, what what the situation was, and I said he had Alzheimer's. Oh, I know all about it because I saw the video. Oof. I didn't mean to be mean, but I skipped the video, and we did this for 10 years. Right. Um, so it, it is rugged, and there's all kinds of things that go on, and the impact and seeing how it affects, you know, when they don't know who the kids are, when they don't know with you, when... I will tell you, like I said, I, I knew that look so well. And then there would just be that moment. It's just the moment where you see a spark in their eye, and that's what you live for. And for a moment, it connects. And then it goes away. And then you wonder if you're going to see it again. I remember. And, watch, I and there's, when they get to the point when they can't swallow and they can't talk, and yet somehow you, you two are still connecting, or think, at least telling yourself you are. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. I remember when my grandmother was 95, and she was in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. And some days she would be the grandma I had, I'd known my whole life. 
Other days, she would call me Scott, which was another one of her grandkids, and had no idea who I, who I was. So it, it really is something that can go back and forth. It does. And you just don't know. And they'll have good days, and they'll have bad days. And you just never know which. And the other thing that's scary with that, with my husband's case, with the medication, everyone has a bad day. But when they start having a lot of bad days, when the mood swings really kick in, uh, do we stay where we're at? Do we go through the medication? Are they letting you know that he's having bad days? It's, it's never ending. Well, Mary, we're down to about four minutes left. We did uh, we did want to tell people about the event. Again, for people just tuning in, when is it? Where is it? What's going on? It is June 15th, which is this next Tuesday. It's going to be in the parking lot of the American Legion Post 6. I will be there with Meals on Wheels, Wyoming Senior Citizens, in the Wyoming Independent Living, uh, Larry County Senior Citizens. We are look, I will be handing out popcorn. There will be flyers. We're asking for financial donations. Every penny will go to elder abuse. If you can't come by, you can mail it to us at the Community Action, P.O. Box 106. Cheyenne, Wyoming, 82003. Love to see you. And just remember that this is hopefully will be something we will be uh, on a regular yearly basis. But please watch out. Elder abuse is a daily ongoing thing, and we need your eyes and ears. Is this the first time you've had an event like this? Yes. Okay, I'm speaking. And also, I do a, a newsletter. If anyone's interested in my newsletter, contact me or shoot me an email. It's maryg at net. I'd love to send you a newsletter with all our events and everyone else's. Just real quickly, I did want to go back to something you talked about early in the show, COVID money for people who need help. Well, how's that work? You can either uh, come to our office. I would suggest going to the office and uh, fill out an application, at which time you will be speaking with a um, caseworker, and they will go over the information that they need, and that is what they're there to do, uh, especially in the times we will help with a variety of things, not just rent and utilities. Uh, this has impacted so many people in every phase of their life. So uh, call our office. Again, we're at 635-9291, and we'd love to help you. Okay, I've been speaking with Mary Goodwin with Community Action of Laramie County. They have their Elder Abuse Day coming up on Tuesday. Uh, they're involved in a lot of other events. What's your website again? Uh, that would I would just go to Community Action of Laramie County, Uh and that'll come, that'll come right up, and you'll see all our different services. Again, self-sufficiency, farmer's market, don't forget Crossroads Clinic, uh, our VA housing, and then my own uh, dear love is uh, Kinship Support Services. Okay. I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. I've been speaking with Mary Goodwin with Community Action of Laramie County. Thank you for calling in, Mary. We appreciate it. Thank you for giving us the time, and I enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. 
AM 650 KGAB coming up on a top of the hour news and information break. Uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to re-air an interview we did on the Weld County uh, to Wyoming movement. Then at 1230, we have uh, uh, folks talking about weeds in Laramie County. Rex Lockman will be joining us. That's coming up at 1230. You'll be able to call Rex with your questions and comments pertaining to weeds. I was talking to someone about leafy spurge just the other day. It's a problem. In any case, we're just in front of 12 noon. You're in tune with AM650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley, AM650 KGAB. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Todd Richards from the Weld County, Wyoming website. Uh, Todd being pre-recorded because he did have to work today. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. Now, first of all, you're advocating for Weld County of Colorado, uh, to join Wyoming, what? Uh, why are you doing that? Uh, the, I guess you just say the 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 values of of the people of Weld County more align with the people of Wyoming than they do with the people in Colorado. How so? Namely, Go ahead. Namely, Denver and Boulder. Um, it's just the um, in, in the stories. If you if you kind of just start to follow what's going on in in Colorado with the legislature, um, they don't they don't I don't how you put that they they don't understand rural Colorado. They don't understand the rural way of life. They don't understand ranching and farming. They just they're they're shutting down uh, oil and of course. We know that uh, Biden is doing the uh, the same thing. So, you um, Colorado, especially uh, the northeastern uh, corner of the state, is losing uh, oil and gas pretty quickly, and um, and they're just kind of going after ranching because one, I think they don't understand, and then there's a couple of a couple of other things. The um, the governor's husband is a vegan and. Um, uh, the governor also appointed um, the um, what would you call her a uh, a veterinarian over the cattle industry, and she is also uh, a vegan. Also, and she's been uh, seen in places like uh, Costco and uh, a couple other places like that with the meat is murder signs and really supporting. Uh, PETA and things like that, and she is the head of the board of the of veterinarians for the for ranching in the state of Colorado. So that just kind of tells you where uh, their mindset is: is they just don't want they want ranching, you know, all all animal uh, agriculture out of the state, and they uh, and they're doing their their darndest to get it uh, to get it out of there. So. And and I know from talking from a lot of ranchers that live here in Colorado, they've already moved their ranching operations to Wyoming. So people are already moving to Wyoming uh, and still living here in Colorado. People that are um, living in Wyoming and still working in Colorado, or you know, vice vice versa, live in Colorado and, and work in Wyoming. So um, the transition is is kind of happening, um, but we're really not. You know, we haven't moved that state line down to envelop uh, Wild uh, County yet. So, 
Now, for, now from our previous conversations, I also remember you did bring up a couple of other issues. Uh, you did feel that the uh, current Colorado state government's hostile to the oil and gas industries. Is that correct? Oh yeah, they're still just just as hostile as ever. So yeah, they're they're pushing uh, more setbacks. So um, yeah, the setbacks would go. They wanted that quarter mile, so that would pretty much eliminate all all of Colorado. Uh, land to be explored except for a teeny tiny little uh, portion I believe in Morgan County and that would be it um, so it, all gas and oil exploration would be gone in the state and um, they kind of changed their mind a little bit and I think that they were going for um, about 200, 200 or I don't want to say it was quite it was not quite the, the quarter mile it might have been 2100 I, I don't remember now because it kind of stalled a little bit and um, it really hasn't done anything, but there's still a lot of talk about pushing back. Now, I also recall you had some concerns on Second Amendment issues. Am I right? Can I say again? I, I also recall you had some concerns about Second Amendment issues, gun issues. Uh, yes. Uh, so... We do know that there's some new um, amendments that, that they're pushing, or um, not amendments, uh, some new regulations that are going to start coming out this next to go around that are going to be, that are going to really go after uh, guns. We haven't seen any of what the bills are going to look like, but um, talking with some people uh, down at the, at the state, they're, they're going to go sh just straight after, straight after guns. So. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, Second Amendment, and they're going to try to uh, uh, get rid of a lot of that. We, we kind of look at it as how um, California does their, um, does their laws, and, and that's one of the things that, that we know is uh, kind of uh, wants to be, wants California to be, or Colorado to be just like California. So when Governor Newsom does something, 60 days later or less, uh, Governor Polis does the same thing. So um, we already follow the um, air quality standards of California. So anything that, that they do in California, we do the same thing. So um, we're, we're getting rid of just uh, a lot of... Uh, um, how would you put those things? DOCs in spray cans and spray paints and same thing that California does. And I would expect here in the near future, you know, you, you look on a product and it says um, something, something 65. Um, I'm not sure what that what that is, but it says that this, this product has been found to cause cancer in the state of California. And I would expect here pretty soon it'll also have Colorado in there also. So um, the... Uh, the governor's really trying to make us just like, uh, just like California. And if I wanted to live in California, I would move to California. So, um, and I have lived in California. I lived there for six years. So I kind of know what, uh, what is, uh, what is coming our direction. So there are people that, that, that don't like it. They don't want to be part of it. And some people can afford this to pick up, you know, their, you know, move. You, know, you you pick up all your your house belongings and you and you move to a different state and there, you know there's a lot of people that can do that but then you get those big ranches that have you know 200 acres and a house that's been here since the 
early 1800s, and you just can't pick up, you know, two 200 acres and a big house and and move it to, to Wyoming. So, so we've always thought the next the next best thing to do would be to try to move to move the state lines, and and we'll you know we'll see uh, see how that goes. That's not an easy thing to do, though, is it? There are several hoops you have to jump through. Is that right? Yes. Um, as since we've talked last time, um, we really haven't found those hoops because nobody's really done it. Um, so what we're doing is uh, in um, Oregon in Idaho. Um, Idaho is going to, well, there are several counties in Oregon and a couple in Washington and a bunch in California that are looking at becoming part of Idaho. Well, they're about a year, yeah, about a year ahead of us. So we're watching uh, what they do and um, how they go about um, doing that. Granted, the, the Idaho legislature and their rules and constitution are completely different than Colorado's and Wyoming's, but at least we can get <clears throat> get a grasp of what what's going on and and see how you know how they're doing and what mistakes they've made and or what you know what uh, works for them and then we can try those uh, those things also. So uh, we're we're really watching what's going on over in uh, in uh, Oregon and Idaho. So. Now, according to what I, uh, when I researched this, what I read, it sounds like, and correct me if I have the procedure wrong here, but it sounds like you'd have to get both the states of Wyoming and Colorado to sign off on this, and then I believe it would have to be approved by Congress. Is that accurate? Uh, Congress would be probably not, um, because people throw Article 4, Section 3 at me all the time, and they're like, well, you can't do that, because it says... Um, uh, when you form a new state, and I just tell them stop right there because we're not forming a new state. You know, this is not going to be, uh, w you know, Weld, um, United States of America. This is going to be Weld County, Wyoming. We're just joining a different state. So when people throw this uh, Article 4, Section 3 at me and all the sub below it, it's just like, no, this, this doesn't apply because it is not a... Um, we're not forming a new state. We're just joining a different one. So then it just becomes what does each state's constitution require? Um, Colorado does have a um, something in there that if you wanted to create a new county or change the borders of a county, then it has to go to a statewide vote. So we were really looking at, at that. Do we have to do that? Because um, we're not changing the borders to be in the you know in the state because we're not we're not we don't want to be part of that state mm -hmm. so does that apply to us or not and um we're just kind of you know we're just still putting those feelers out there and to see does this just go to the colorado the legislature and does this just go to the wyoming legislature does does wyoming have the same provision or some kind of provision in that that says that you know when something like this comes along um, that that has to be a whole statewide vote. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's still some um, those little quirky things that we have to uh, that we have to figure out how those how those move along. So, um, <clears throat> we're just kind of well, actually, we were just kind of since we we spoke last time, we were just watching what was happening with uh, the elections. We're, we were getting our our you know our the base of what we're doing, getting some groundwork settled down and set down and put put in place and 
you know, get a bank account and get a post office box and uh, file with the with the state uh, um, on our collection. You know, whenever we take donations, we have to file that with the Secretary of State. So we got all those all those things done and 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 moving. And then we realized, well, we need to wait until the November election because if um, it comes along and in Weld County gets those things that Weld County really wanted in those elections and those things passed, then this Weld County Wyoming idea would just kind of slide off into the ditch and nobody else would care about it and then that would be the end of that. But it really didn't kind of go Weld County's way and um, a lot of things were, were voted on and um, a lot of stuff was changed and all of a sudden about a week before the um, the election, uh, our likes were at about 1,600, and about one week after the election, our likes were almost uh, 4,200. So, you know, we picked up about 3,000 likes in about a week. So a lot of people are really asking, really pushing, and it's coming from both sides of the border. There's people in Wyoming that are, man, this would be fantastic. Um, people who lived in Colorado and have already moved to Wyoming said, you know, why didn't you guys do this, you know, 10 years ago? Um, there's just <clears throat> just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of support in Colorado. I'd say it's probably, uh, probably about 80-20, maybe a little bit higher than that, maybe 80 people are for it and of course and the people who are against it just are just they're they're mean they just call you know rural Colorado a bunch of hicks and and pot smokers and a uh, bunch of stuff like that so just the uneducated or just the um, we just call it the 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 liberal mindset of you're not like me so I'm just gonna bash you and call you names so we get we do get a lot of that. So, when you say eighty twenty roughly in favor or eighty eighty two eighteen, do you mean in Weld County or statewide in Colorado? Uh, it's probably Weld County, and we do get a lot of uh, statewide. It's kind of hard to tell statewide because you don't really know uh, where a lot of those people are from. I mean, you you could sit there and pick through each and every person and kind of get um, um, where they're from. Um, we had uh, the Fox Thirty One down here did a did a story. Uh, we didn't do an interview for it. They just pulled everything off of uh, Facebook and YouTube, and they just did the story. So we we kind of followed along and watched um, uh, the likes and the dislikes and all that stuff. And for a while, it was pretty much neck and neck. You know, just a few a few people here and there on the likes and the dislikes. And then all of a sudden, some strange thing happened, and it's kind of happens a lot um you know it hits a few people and they share it and talk about it and all of a sudden it's like oh can you take can you take el paso county with us you know with you can you take um you know that's all colorado springs area and then there's people out on the western slope um uh, can you what do we need to do to, to do something like that you know maybe we would move to utah and uh so it's it's been it's been an interesting Actually, it's been an interesting few months. We've had several people from different counties. We're probably looking about eight counties now that are really looking at uh, doing the same thing that that Weld County is doing. They they want out of the state of Colorado, and some of them said that they would look at maybe moving to Kansas or or Nebraska or just following right along. And um, Wyoming would have this big giant 
um, swath of what used to be Colorado all the way down the eastern border uh, uh, that would be, become part of Wyoming. So there is a lot of people that are gaining a lot of interest to do the same thing that, uh, that we're doing. So uh, it's, I think it's starting to send a, a message to, to some people that uh, the urban and rural divide in the state of Colorado, and I'm sure it's uh, a lot of places all around the country, is growing wider, and um, people in the rural uh, communities are not going to, they're just not going to stand for it. They're just going to to look, you know, we, we're not going to win in votes. We're, we're outnumbered, and so there's no way that we can vote our way in and out of that. And so they're just looking at, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what group of people has that same mindset of a rural community and just happens that Wyoming is the most rural state in, in, uh, in the union. So there everybody's like, well, why don't we, you know, kind of, kind of look at doing something like that? Cause Wyoming has the same people. Wyoming have the same values of Morgan County and Logan County and Phillips and Sedgwick and, Yuma, and I mean, I could go on just right, right on down that eastern border there of all those of all those counties are kind of asking the same thing. What do we do? How do we do this? Can we do it? Can we be a part of you? So, so, so it's interesting. You, have you thought about making it maybe a regional effort instead of just a Weld County effort? Get a bunch of the counties together that might be interested and make it one movement. Well, we've we've looked at that, and um, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, it's going to be difficult to move one. How difficult would it be move, to move eight or nine or ten? Um, I think it would be even even more difficult. Um, the state legislature doesn't like Weld County, and they don't like Weld County a lot. So um, it would probably be a whole lot easier for just Weld County to get to move. Um, but then it would help set up those other counties you know how did how did Weld County do that and then maybe you know another voting cycle or another year down the road you know we start looking at um some of these other counties and either we do them one at a time or we, yeah we do one big push and you know take a quarter of the state on the eastern on the eastern border and and uh <clears throat> move them to you know, move them to Kansas or move them to, to Nebraska or, or just jump in and, and make uh, Wyoming just a little bit bigger. But, of course, all those, all those counties are just really sparsely populated uh, ranching and farming communities. So that, uh, that just kind of shows that um, the front range of Colorado, is, you know, just really doesn't, doesn't care. They're just in, in their little bubble and... They just want to do what what's good for what's good for them, which really, in in some ways, it's it's not really that bad. You know, they're they're looking after their best interests, but they're not looking at the best interests of the whole state. So, um, people are are tired of that. So. Okay, in case you're just joining us, I'm speaking with uh, Todd Richards of the Weld County, Wyoming website. Um, uh, as that name implies, they, they would like Weld County to eventually become part of Wyoming. Now, Todd, you are uh, taking steps to get this on the ballot this year. Is that right? That is correct. As a matter of fact, I am doing up the petition signature pages uh, right now. So we'll get those um, 
um, all worked out. For some reason, the little word signature seems to like to move all over the page for me, and I can't get it to sit still. So uh, I'm afraid when I take it to the printers, they won't. Uh, the word won't set in the in the right spot. So getting all those uh, getting all those uh, done, we'll get all those printed, and uh, we already had the ballot language is is done. Um, or the petition language is done, and we're going to go ahead and, and get that get that rolling and get that moving along. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been quite a run since the last last time I've uh, talked to you. We've we finally started to get some interest from Denver, and of course, the interest from Denver is to make us look as foolish as we possibly as they possibly can, and. Then from the other side, when we look at, you know, this is the second uh, time I've talked with you, and the first one was great, and people loved it, and obviously this one will probably be just the same. And now I have uh, a radio station from Gillette, Wyoming, that wants uh, wants to interview, and they're saying the same thing. Wow, this is this is interesting, and this is kind of great. You know, uh, could you please come on and talk with us? And um, it's like, sure, not a problem. So, um, yeah, we're moving, but it's... Uh, it is a process that we don't, you know, nobody's done it before, so we've, we're kind of having to to figure out what the rules are as we go, and uh, we kind of just move on from there. Now, Todd, as, as I recall, and I am going from memory, the petition you're circulating right now would basically authorize the Weld County Commission to, to advocate and explore this issue. Is that correct? That is correct, yep. Yeah, we... we um, we kind of wanted to um, have the the government of Weld County go talk to the government of Wyoming and, of course, the uh, Colorado State Legislature as as what needs to be done. How does this how does this need to work? How does this need to happen? Uh, what would be the steps and procedures? What do we you know what little what little box do we need to check before we move to the next you know as we moved on down? What what checks do we need to to, to mark off as, as we move. So um, I felt that as a citizen of Weld County, that is not my place to go to um, up to the, the legislature in Wyoming and talk to the people up there um, and try to represent the people of Wyoming. But I have since been told that when I put my name on that Facebook page and that webpage as the person that's doing this petition that I more than uh, I do I do represent those those people and that I could go up in those unofficial kind of things and say hey you know this is who we are you know this is what's going on instead of you know here's this these poor legislatures up there in Wyoming all of a sudden they get blindsided by oh, the Weld County commissioners are knocking on their door saying hey we want to move so I uh, was just it would be just, and being retired military, I always hated getting blindsided with something. You know, if something's coming along and just say, hey, you know what, this this could be coming along in the near future. So maybe we just go up there and make a couple, you know, unofficial visits kind of thing. We are uh, people in Well County that want to move to Wyoming, and we're just here to let you know this is what's going on. And you know, could be expecting things in in the future. So we might just get laughed out and, and say, you know what, you're we're never going to let that happen. And that would be good for us to know because um, we just spin our wheels. You know, Colorado lets us go and Wyoming could come up and say, well, we don't want you guys. Go away. So we need to to make sure on, 
you know, on both sides of the border, Wyoming and Colorado, that uh, people understand why and and what's the purpose of, of what we're doing. So, Todd, in spite of everything, Colorado does make money off Weld County. Why would they let you go? <laughs> that's that's always the big the big <laughs> the big push is um, Weld County. Just on agriculture alone, probably puts about two two and a half billion dollars into the Colorado state uh, tax, and um, you know we're one of the biggest. Well, we are the biggest agriculture county agricultural county in the in the state, and people are just like, there's just no way they're going to let you go. There's just no way. It's just not going to happen. So, um, we just know that there is. Um, I would almost call it intense hatred for Weld County and rural Colorado uh, coming out of uh, out of the state legislature, and we just need to become a thorn in the backside of the governor and all those state legislatures, so that when that time comes, they would just say, you know what, we don't care, get you know, just get out because you are you are you are more of a pain than you are worth. So. <clears throat> That's where we kind of, and I think we need to to, to go. So. Todd, we're down to about a minute left. Any last thoughts for our listeners this morning? Uh, yeah, just um, we're expecting to get kicked off of Facebook here re- uh, pretty quick. The Greater Wyoming uh, or Greater Idaho already has, so we have a web page, uh, Weld County WY at dot uh, 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 com. Please come and visit. We're trying. We're going to get newsletters and get those things out there. We're still on Facebook. You can get on that page and and follow what's going on. AM six fifty KGAB Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Coming up on a bottom of the hour news and information break. On the other side, we'll be speaking with uh, Rex Lockman. Rex Lockman is uh, with the, uh, what's the name of the organization? I just lost it here, but he'll be on with us. He's with the... uh for most of us, our home is our biggest investment, and an investment in renewal by Anderson Windows or Patio Doors will pay you back every single day in many ways. Renewal by Anderson in this part of America is a local family business. Our owner, Andy, grew up on a ranch. It's been in his family for over 100 years, and Andy was taught as a kid to do what's right. That's what we do at Renewal by Anderson every single day. Our windows and patio doors are installed by certified master installers. They are great local people who truly care about that perfect fit and finish. Our windows and patio doors are not only energy efficient, they keep your home quieter and more comfortable, and they are so easy to open, close, and clean. You will feel the difference every day. Please visit our website at rbawyoming.com or give us a call at 307-201-9969. That's 309969. Renewal by Anderson. Ask about our great financing offers right now. This weather update is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, the easiest purchase you will ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. Weather conditions will be getting warmer right away this weekend in southeast Wyoming. Still pretty comfortable today in the low and mid-80s. Skies will be sunny. Winds will be around 10 to 15. Clear tonight. Lows expected in the lower to mid-50s. Sunday and Monday, highs upper 80s and low 90s with lower to mid-90s Tuesday and Wednesday. All looking dry. Lows mid and upper 50s. I'm Dave Weather Meteorologist. Don Watzel. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber. A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. 
It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our everyday. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty, something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right. These are the moments to take a pause. Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia. Or being afraid. It's about standing up and protecting our communities. One detail at a time. Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We. 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 We trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. AM 650 KGAB. I was scrambling for my notes there, and I found them. I have Rex Lockman with the Laramie County Water and Soil Conservation District. Good afternoon, Mr. Lockman. Good afternoon. Now, you're here to talk about weeds, is that right? That's right. What, 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 should, we, what should we know about weeds? What do you want to tell folks? Well, I, I think, you know, some of the um, weeds that, um, of concern that we have in Laramie County right now um, and make them aware of some of the more noxious weeds that we have in the county and possibly coming into the county um, and make them aware of what they are, what they look like, how to get information about them and how the different options for control on them. How do, how do we tell the difference between a weed and, and something that's just a plant? How do we define that? Well, the, the basic definition of a weed is a plant that's not where you want it. And so kind of like dandelion in your yard, in your lawn, you know, it's something that you don't really want there. But if it's back in the alley, you may not worry about it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also what we call noxious weeds. And there's state-designated as well as county-designated noxious weeds. And these weeds are a lot more detrimental to the environment and the ecosystems around here. They're a lot more aggressive-type weeds. And so um, they have designated these specific weeds as, as noxious weeds is what they call them. And you can actually go through the Laramie County Weed and Pest, and they do have lists of both the state-designated and the county-declared noxious weeds. Now, if, if a weed is if a weed's noxious, does that mean it's poisonous? No, that does not mean it's poisonous. It could be poisonous, but just because it's noxious does not mean it's poisonous. Okay. It just means that it can be very aggressive. Uh, for example, one of the more aggressive ones that we have in the county right now, Dalmatian toad flax, okay. is is very aggressive but it's not poisonous and how, how do we recognize this uh this toad flax plant so dalmatian toad flax has really pretty yellow flower to it it looks very similar to a snapdragon and so that that's actually how it was brought over because it was introduced into the u.s from eurasia and <clears throat> it was introduced as an ornamental because it's so such a pretty type of flower and it, it is very similar to like snapdragon or um, what people call butter and eggs, but it is very, it spreads easily both by seed and then by roots. It has spreading root systems and then the seed takes very easily. 
even in a well-managed area, this Dalmatian toad flax can really take off easy. So how do we get rid of it? Well, there's um, several different options. Um, you can get a herbicide through Laramie County Weed and Pest. They do have herbicide uh, that they um, sell for it. Um, if you don't want to use a herbicide, it, depending upon you know how much you have, you can pull it, but it does, it will come back from roots. But if you keep pulling it, eventually it may take three four years, eventually you're going to deplete the root system and get rid of it. So obviously if, you know, you have three or four acres of it, you're not going to be able to control it that way. Um, if you, you know, just have a small patch in your yard, then you can probably use that method to control it. There is a, what we call a biocontrol method where you can use insects, a weeble, and um, there's actually a company out of Montana that sells these um, weevils. It's Wheat Busters Biocontrol. Um, they have a website and they, they have various different biocontrols for different types of noxious weeds, but they do have it for Dalmatian toad flax. Okay. Is, is this Dalmatian toad flax, is that a big problem right now? It is a very big problem in Laramie County and just in the last week it's starting to bloom and last year we didn't see it It, for some reason as dry as it was last year it wasn't as aggressive this year with all the moisture we've had um here in another week it's going to be blooming everywhere and you're going to see a lot of fields of yellow and not all of it means it's dalmatian toad flax but i have seen a lot of dalmatian toad flax out there it's spreading, and when it spreads, it outcompetes the native grasses and other grasses and um, depletes the forage for livestock and wildlife and gets rid of, you know, a lot of the native plants and native flowers that are important to the, the bees and the pollinators as well. Is it a problem, especially this year, because it's been so wet recently, or is it just something that's happening independently of that? It's been a problem. It's progressively got worse over the last 10 years, the last probably three or four years. It's become even more prevalent. Last year kind of subsided a little bit just because of of the dry conditions, but this year uh, we're seeing it really, you know, coming back again and and a lot more noticeable this year than it was last year. So we're trying to make people aware of it because a lot of people think it's a beautiful flower, and it, I guess in that respect, it, it is a beautiful flower, but it has, can do a lot of damage to our ecosystems. And so we're trying to make people aware of it and so that they can control it, help us control it, and keep it in, I guess, in check, you know. And um, But the, the weed and pest, as well as myself at the Conservation District, um, you can contact either of us and we can help you in in giving you directions on, on how to control it. 
Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. The way and tough to find, but the sleep experience is worth the trip. Get that perfect night's sleep within a max. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. I'm speaking with Rex Lockman of the Laramie County uh, Soil and Conservation District. We're talking about weeds. Uh, Rex, I've heard a lot over the years about leafy spurge. Is that a big problem here? It It is becoming a, a bigger problem here in Laramie County, especially along some of our stream areas or areas that get a little bit of extra moisture um, out I've noticed it can get in an area alongside the road and, and a ditch alongside the road where, you know, the runoff from the road just supplies a little bit of extra moisture. Um, there's a lot of spots down, unfortunately, along Dry, dry Creek and Crow Creek in, in Cheyenne and then out towards the base even that has the leafy spurge in there. And it is um, spreading and, and seems to be coming down. Uh, we've been work, trying to work with the city and and the county and and coming up with ways and trying to inform people of of what it looks like to be able to when they get it on their property uh, start controlling it right away what does it look like so let's say um it's a shorter probably only getting about a foot and a half tall at the tallest it has like fine uh fine leaves on the bottom and it has kind of a light or a almost a lime green yellowish light yellow flower to it it's it's a different looking flower it's not a you know most of the flowers you like most of the flowers you see um and usually it's in a in a patch and and so it's um yeah i'd say just like a light green light yellow to greenish type flower um kind of hard to explain i guess but um you know, just a quick search on the internet for leafy spurge, and it should pop up all sorts of pictures for it. And then again, the Weed and Pest website, Laramie County Weed and Pest website, would have photos of that as well on their website. Why? Why is leafy spurge a problem? What does it do? So, leafy spurge may even be worse than the Dalmatian toad flax in a way because it actually puts like a toxin into the soil from the root system and will um, kill out a lot of the other vegetation. And so when it starts coming into an area, it spreads 
by the roots again, and and it'll start just completely out competing all the vegetation in those areas, and you just get straight leafy spurge, and that it'll basically kills out all the other vegetation in those areas. So it's almost like a cancer, sort of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you definitely look at it that way. And and what can we do about leafy spurge? So there, uh, again, are some biocontrolled insects for leafy spurge. And um, then again, the weed and fest will provide a herbicide for leafy spurge um, at a reduced rate. And um, again, you can pull it. I would recommend on the leafy spurge. Usually I'd recommend on, on any of them, you know, wearing gloves if you are going to pull it. Uh, leafy spurge, you can, again, it's in a small enough area, you can use gloves to, to pull it. Um, another method, I guess, is you can mow it, um, and at least that will keep it from going to flower. Uh, but ideally, you know, in the long term, uh, doing some herbicide applications or pulling it to completely get rid of it, because mowing will not completely get rid of it. It'll keep it from going to seed, but that's about the extent of it. It's mostly a Band-Aid. What's that again? I said it's mostly a Band-Aid mowing it. Right, right. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid. Just kind of, again, keeping it from going to seed so it doesn't spread until you get um, are able to control it. Usually on the leafy spurge, a uh, spring or a fall application of herbicide is the best, and, and I... I believe the fall application, because the plant is actively taking nutrients back down into the root system to overwinter, it will translocate those herbicides better in the fall and usually get a better control. Text the word money to 813-813-NOW. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AM 650 KGAB, we're talking with Rex Lockman of the Soil and Conservation District about weeds in Laramie County. Uh, Rex, what are some other weeds that people need to be aware of right now? So the other one that we're just starting to see in, in the northern part of Laramie County is spotted knapweed. We don't have a lot of it um, around the county and especially right around Cheyenne but we've had some areas up north of Cheyenne especially right along I-25 coming down um, which is a lot of times how these weeds get transported is by vehicles so I guess I would really encourage people to 
become familiar with what spotted knapweed looks like and and you know look around your places and your yards and be aware of you know if you see any any unusual plants coming in there um, but spotted knapweed is one that I would recommend looking out for and then yellow star thistle if you see a, a yellow plant with some really long spikes on the yellow uh, flower it's one that we haven't verified in, in Laramie County yet but it's just south of us in Colorado and it's one that we do not want to get in here and again you know if you can you know if we keep that from getting in here and getting hold then we're going to be a lot better off so but again i would encourage people to just kind of be aware of of the plants out there if you see something unusual you know go and check the, the laramie county weed and pest website or call the laramie county weed and pest or call me at the laramie county conservation district uh, we're always more than happy to help and and give direction on board identification of, of these weeds. What does that spotted knapweed look like? Oh, so it's, uh, um, it has a, a smaller um, yellow or not purple, purplish flower to it. And it's, it's almost looks like a tumbleweed except it gets purple flowers on it. It looks similar to Russian thistle but it gets up about probably about a foot and a half to two three feet tall at the tallest and is really bushy and, and fine branched and then again it has the little purplish flowers pretty small little purple flowers on top. Okay, I'm speaking with Rex Lockman with the Water and Soil Conservation District. And uh, Rex, we've been talking about, um, you know, these different weeds. How did they get in here? Do they migrate in naturally on the wind or what? There are a lot of different ways that these seeds get transported in. Um, you know, uh, somebody down in Colorado driving around in the field and gets a little mud in their tire with you know, a weed in it, and then they drive back to their place here in Cheyenne, and that little chunk of mud comes off, and and it gets planted. Or somebody gets some hay out of someplace else, and and brings it in, and starts feeding their horses, and it has you know a, a different weed in it, and brings it in. Um, a lot of different ways that they can be they can be transported. Even you know birds will transport them to a degree wildlife there's a lot of them that have like little burrs and it gets in a, a dog or any animal's fur and it'll go along and then all of a sudden it drops off somewhere else and a lot of that that is a new weed and new spot um even in your shoes your shoelaces will get you know you're up hiking somewhere and and a you know cheat grass gets into your shoelace then you go home and walking around in your yard and that seed falls off in your yard and and then you have cheatgrass around your place. Cheatgrass can be a problem too, can't it? Cheatgrass is a problem um, all across the West. It is um, it's pretty 
devastating in areas um, back in in Idaho and areas there's areas that are just completely overtaken by cheatgrass it's a, a what we call winter annual and so it comes on really early in the spring and will start off and so early that it takes up all the moisture thus cheating a lot of the other vegetation out of the moisture and overtaking the area eventually so it, yes it is a very bad thing and we do have we are, do have a new herbicide that's out that is looking promising but right now as all things new it is also pretty pricey rex are there any other major weed pests that we want to tell people about today you know I, um probably the other one that can be a nuisance but isn't maybe as hard to control as is canada thistle because it actually spreads by roots versus a lot of the other thistles that don't. So it can really take over an area. And it, again, really dark green leaves. And then it has a, like a small, again, purplish little, purplish to bluish flower on top of it. So it's another noxious weed that's very prevalent around the county, but it is a little easier to control. Rex, is there anything else you wanted to tell people today, or does that kind of cover it? You know, the only thing I would say is, you know, get out there. If you have questions, don't hesitate to give us a call at the Conservation District. Or, again, you know, Laramie County Weed and Pest is a great resource. Um, Keep your eyes out on your property. Be aware of what's out there. And something new's coming in. Make sure it's not something bad. And, And prevent it is a lot easier then once it's there. Okay, I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. We've been speaking with Rex Lockman with the Laramie County Water and Soil Conservation District. Uh, Rex, thank you for calling in this afternoon. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Weekend in Wyoming. Of course, we'll be back again next weekend from 11 to 1 right here. Just in front of 1 o'clock, the big uh, big ongoing weather story probably is going to be the heat. We're expecting temperatures 20 degrees above normal. We're going to see highs in the 80s and, yes, low to mid-90s around southeast Wyoming the first part of next week. I think we've had enough rain here in the Cheyenne area, so our fire danger is not as bad as it could be. But you get away from Cheyenne, uh, there's some pretty dry country out there, so do be careful with fire. That's a given this time of year, of course, anyway. And, uh, you know, stay hydrated if you're going outside. Uh, don't don't push yourself too hard. The heat can be very dangerous. We're more familiar with the dangers of cold in this part of the country, uh, but a heat stroke can be uh, can be deadly. So it's, it's nothing to play around with. Do be careful. And... Uh, Stay hydrated and just generally take the steps you need to take to be safe. Thanks for joining us once again. You're in tune with Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. You've been listening to the Weekend in Wyoming program. We'll be back again next Saturday from 11 to 1 right here. It's 1 o'clock. Have a great weekend. Stay safe.